This week on Dairy Defined, we have Jaime Castaneda, who is an all-around dairy guru on trade, um, wears so many different hats that I don't even know if I can describe them all. Jaime, what are the various entities and areas and titles you have in terms of dairy and its relationship with trade? Thanks, Alan. Um, I've been working with the uh, national milk producers for 21 years. In that capacity, I have been able to do um, a lot of work for the U.S. Dairy Export Council. And about seven years ago, we created an organization called the Consortium for Common Food Names to defend the rights of consumers and producers to use uh, uh, food names that have been in the public domain for hundreds of years, like Parmesan. Uh, in addition to, to that, I'm a clear advisor for the U.S. government. I have been a clear advisor for many years in which I provide uh, guidance and advice to, to several um, uh, administrations for the past uh, 20 years. So you're rooted in NMPF. You do a lot of work with USDAC. You have the initiative you lead, the Consortium for Common Food Names, and you are advising administrations on dairy and trade policy. Why is dairy even doing all this work on trade? What does improved access to international markets mean for dairy producers? No, I, that's a very important question. Uh, when, I, when I joined National Milk 21 years ago, uh, it's not a secret that dairy farmers and, and in general the dairy industry uh, was looking more inward uh, rather than looking at overseas uh, opportunities. Basically because we were concerned that uh, imports were going to be affecting uh, the bottom line. Well, when I came on board, the idea was that we had to take advantage of a growing population and a growing opportunities overseas. And the goal was to accomplish that farmers uh, in the United States felt comfortable switching that position from a uh, from one, that it was looking inwards and trying to prevent uh, uh, trade as one to actually ex export and think that we were going to be benefiting a lot more. And I think that over the years, we certainly accomplished that. We went from exporting less than 4% and primarily using export subsidies to now exporting up to uh, $6 billion and at one point even more uh, on a record year and importing the, pretty much the same amount or even less uh, uh, today than we used to do, I mean, 20 years ago. So we have trade activity occurring on a lot of fronts uh, in terms of international relations. You know, we've been reading for a long time about the USMCA. We hear a lot about the EU and Brexit. But let's start with what's been in the news lately. Um, President Trump was in India last week. I mean, dairy was part of that discussion. Where, where do things stand with that market? Yeah, dairy was uh, uh, an extremely important part of those negotiations. And as we know, I've been dealing with uh, the, the Indians uh, for many, many years. And I have no problem being quoted as, as saying that the country of India is perhaps the most protectionist country in the world, not only with respect to dairy, but a number of other uh, sectors. Uh, that um, basically represents uh, that 
India is very difficult for them to actually give any new access. This is one of the reasons that President Obama uh, went to India and came back with empty hands. And that's uh, the same reason as to why President uh, Trump went to India and came out uh, also with empty, empty hands. Uh, we do not lose uh, sight that India is a valuable market. It's, uh, it's a market of a lot of people and have a significant market for certain dairy products. So we're going to continue to work. Uh, but we try to actually make sure that we temper uh, expectations uh, for our members. Now, back to some of these other areas, and in terms of expectations, let's talk a little bit about USMCA. So the president signs Congress's ratification of the agreement, and MPF has some members in attendance at the signing. It seems like a good day, but USMCA isn't actually over. Can you explain what's going on? In addition to get approval this time around for USMCA, uh, the United States put a provision that says that they need to actually, before it, it enters into force, that they need to ratify that Canada and Mexico have complied with all the requirements under USMCA. So that's like passing laws or implementing certain regulations or lowering the tariffs and so on. So what we are... Uh, uh, experiencing now is that uh, the United States trade representative uh, who are the ones negotiating these agreements and making sure that those agreements are going to be enforced are talking to our partners Canada and Mexico to ensure that they go through a, a clean process and we see this entering into force sometime uh, in this year uh, we're all assuming, but it's not absolutely clear, that it will enter into force sometime in, in the summer. And once it enters into force, what should dairy producers expect? Well, once it enters into force, what we need to be uh, sure is that, for instance, Canada provides the access that uh, they promise. That additional access will allow some of the product to go north and that would actually improve the conditions of new markets for dairy farmers. So we hope that this will be a boost for uh, the economics side on, on, on the U.S. dairy farmer, which we all know is hurting. So we expect that actually this is, if anything, is going to help to uh, somewhat rally the market. USMCA was a big lift. Um, of course, there are others as well. Uh, could you give us an update on some of those offers? We're way behind our competitors. If you put aside USMCA, which has not entered into force, we have not passed and approved a, uh, we have not negotiated and approved a trade agreement for more than 10 years. USMCA has been the first one, which again, has not entered into force. So uh, we, we are, we are, telling the U.S. government we need more trade agreements. There are so many other countries out there, but politics always enter into force, and this is what is holding us uh, back. One of those countries that actually it, it should be a, a no-brainer, it should be easy for us to, to have a trade agreement, is Japan. But because of complications, what we did is we had a, a, a phase one uh, agreement with Japan. This phase one, what allows is for us to match many of the tariffs that Europe and New Zealand have with Japan. 
but does not give us equal access. So we need to actually make sure that the government negotiates this second phase but that's going to be a comprehensive trade agreement, so it would be a lot more complicated. So, but we are uh, pushing the U.S. government to finish that. In addition to that, uh, there has been a lot of discussions about having a, a trade agreement with the U.K. I think this is going to be a priority for the U.S. government, and it's going to be uh, a potential great market for us. It all depends at the end of the day whether the UK negotiates freely or negotiates under uh, the conditions uh, of what the European Union imposes on the UK uh, to negotiate with third parties. Uh, with respect to others, we are uh, after certainly other countries like Vietnam, uh, but uh, again, it goes back to whether the administration believes that they can negotiate an agreement that then can be passed by Congress. Moving back to China, um, there have been pledges, of course, in the phase one deal with that country um, for more purchases of U.S. agricultural products, hoping that dairy will be part of the mix. But we're still seeing tariffs there. There are still some impediments in the Chinese market, even before we get into coronavirus. And anything you would have to say about that is certainly timely. We try to for China to ensure that the phase one agreement uh, enters into force. And despite all the problems that China has had uh, in the last uh, few uh, months, uh, they are complying with the phase one agreement. That, of course, uh, there's not a direct uh, requirement by China to eliminate or waive the tariffs. What they have is a promise that they're going to buy all these new additional uh, quantities, value and uh, volumes. What we have to do now is that ensure that Chinese companies apply for a waiver for those tariffs. So we have actually provided that communication to uh, not only national milk members, but the U.S. Dairy Export Council membership, and to ensure that we have uh, direct contact with US, uh, China government uh, agencies that are going to look at all different products uh, to see what products are possible to be uh, included in this waiver of, of the tariffs. I think that once we accomplish that, and uh, the coronavirus uh, scare sort of uh, is, is reduced. And I think that we're going to see a significant uh, increase in, in exports to China. And that also is going to help uh, U.S. prices. And of course, we haven't spoken much about the EU, but the EU is always a thorny dairy trade issue. What are some of the challenges we're seeing with the European market and what's been happening? I know there's been some activity lately with the Airbus case. So the Europeans, uh, unlike the Indians, in which are very straight protectionist, uh, the, the Europeans are more clever on how they were about uh, uh, creating protection. So, so they create different types of protections that they don't appear to be uh, a direct increase in tariffs or a, a direct uh, non-tariff barrier. But a perfect example is obviously uh, the issue of geographical indicators. And we talk about the Consortium of Common Food Names in which the EU has worked extensively to confiscate, to take away the names that 
In fact, the United States manufacturers and producers have uh, promoted and expanded not only here in the United States, but around the world. Uh, so, so the Europeans, uh, if you look at the trade, not only on, on dairy, in which they export to us a billion dollars and we export less than a hundred million. Uh, if you look at pork, we are a major exporter of pork and they also, I mean, export pork here, but they, they buy very little from us. If you go across the board, they actually don't like to import much of anything in agriculture. So what I hope that this administration, like others have done, is that there is no space here for a mini deal or any deal that does not deal uh, with uh, agriculture. They have plenty of access here already. Let's dig a little deeper into the geographical indicators issue that you, that you brought up. Um, it can seem arcane if it's not something that you're doing every day, but, but this is real dollars and cents for dairy producers. The issue here is the ability of the United States and others in, around the world to continue to use names that have been, uh, been used for, for years, whether it's Asiago or whether it's Salami or any other name, or uh, even names as crazy as Reserve in, in, a, in a wine. So what we need to do is we do have a coalition we need to continue to make sure that the U.S. government has it as a policy uh, that we don't have to ask the U.S. government every single time we are negotiating to ensure that we have uh, common names protected in the negotiations. Where are the winds blowing on trade and how does dairy deal effectively with those winds? It is clear that we are uh, pr every day we're producing more milk than we consume here in the United States. That's, that's a fact, and that's on every single uh, statistics that you can see there. In addition to that, every single day, unfortunately, uh, we seem to be consuming uh, uh, less overall fluid milk. So if we're producing more than overall we're consuming, and, and in addition to that, some of that uh, consumption is less goes to fluid milk, it has to go to some other product. So that other product has to be either cheese or uh, powder and, and butter. So if you look at the domestic consumption, and certainly uh, I challenge any, anyone out there that says that dairy is dead or dairy is, is down, we are consuming more dairy products today than ever again, than ever before. So, so and that is great, and we're going to continue to grow. But still, our farmers are producing more milk than ever. So we're going to need to do something with all that product. And the only thing that we can do is export it. And it is absolutely critical for the future of this industry to have market opportunities overseas. And if we don't have that through new trade agreements, then it's going to be every single time harder and harder to actually uh, make it uh, for farmers. And this is the part that actually is, is really we need to all uh, stop talking 
uh, start talking about the benefits of trade and stop those who simply are talking negatively about trade. But you're seeing a lot of negative discussion of trade. How do you battle that? Yeah, because, I mean, one of the first things, I mean, people are, are I mean, forget about the last two days or three days on the stock market. Uh, but, I mean, look at, uh, we talk about all the bad things about NAFTA and all the trade agreements that we negotiated under um, George Bush primarily. The, the, the reality is that the United States have had had the strongest economy. We have actually continued to grow. And the only reason that we haven't actually grown even more is because of the lack of additional market opportunities. I, un I understand about that we need to actually make sure that all these trade agreements benefit everybody. But you cannot hold a whole nation uh, just for one sector. So I truly believe that we need to actually push for more additional market opportunities and certainly make actually all trade agreements as fair as possible. Anything else you'd like to add? No, thanks for the opportunity. And again, thanks for, to the farm community for giving us the opportunity to uh, work. Uh, and this is not just a job for us. This is, this is something that we uh, feel very strongly about the people we work for. Uh, these are uh, families, individuals that are every day out there, um, you know, milking cows, working uh, hard. They don't have uh, weekends. They don't have Sundays. So for us, this is this is a, a very important uh, part of our lives. So today on Dairy Defined, we had um, Jaime Castaneda uh, working on trade for the National Milk Producers Federation, as well as a host of other organizations, including USDAC, the U.S. Dairy Export Council, and the Consortium for Common Food Names, consulting with the government and trying to expand dairy market export opportunities at every opportunity he can get. Thank you so much for being here, Jaime. And we will be back on Dairy Defined in just a couple weeks. Talk to you then.